Books, The Final Frontier. These are the discussions of the podcast Sword and Laser, its continuing mission to explore strange new science fiction and fantasy novels, to seek out new characters and new beverages, to boldly read where no one has read before. Go to patreon.com slash swordandlaser to join the mission. Welcome to Sword and Laser. I'm Tom Merritt, and this is a special interview episode. Every so often, we get a chance to go to the Nebula Conference put on by CIFWA, which you will hear me in one of our interviews from there totally get wrong. And thank goodness for Greg Van Eekhout to help me figure out that it is, in fact, the Science Fiction and Fantasy Writers of America Conference. Of course, it's most famous for the Nebula Awards, but there's a lot more going on there, including some of your favorite authors all getting together to talk to each other about writing uh, and talk to each other about books and show off their books and, of course, award the Nebula Awards. This year, I was very lucky to get a chance to sit down with a couple of fabulous authors, so we'll be putting those two interviews out uh, in our off weeks. I hope you enjoy them. Here is one of our Nebula interviews. So we're here with Rebecca Roanhorse. Uh, Rebecca, thank you for taking some time to talk with us today. Oh, thank you for having me. How does it feel to be at the Nebulas? Uh, it feels great. I'm actually back. This is my second year here. I was here last year and was lucky enough to win uh, for Best Short Fiction. So it's, it's great to be back uh, for Best Novel. The, you know, I'm sure the perception amongst uh, the audience is that, oh, well, it's better to be nominated for Best Novel than to, for, for Short Fiction. But how do you feel? Oh, it's about the same. Yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, last year was so exciting because that was my first uh, nomination and my first Nebulas and, and actually my first short story. So um, I don't know that any experience can quite top that. That, yeah. was, that was pretty cool. That makes sense. The first time you get any kind of accolade or nomination like that is, and especially a win, it's, it's huge, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So for people who are not familiar, tell us a little bit about the book. Uh, the book is called Trail of Lightning. And it is uh, sort of a post-apocalyptic monster hunting uh, tale that takes place on a near future Navajo nation. So post-apocalyptic near futures, uh, that, that all seems too real. Uh, <laughs> but uh, when, tell us a little more about the nation that it takes place in. Yeah, so it's the Navajo nation, uh, which means uh, parts of northern New Mexico, Arizona, uh, Colorado and Utah, the Four Corners area. And in my book, there has been a sort of climate apocalypse where the majority of the world is underwater. Uh, but the area that has survived that's relevant is uh, the Southwest. And so, yeah, it takes place in in sort of that area of the country on the Navajo Reservation. Now, you live in New Mexico now. I do. Right. You didn't grow up there. Uh, my mom is actually from there. Okay, so you have uh, roots there. Yeah, I have roots there that go back 10,000 years. Uh, but I grew up in Texas. Okay. Uh, and you are not Navajo? No. So you have to do some research. You get a little bit of latitude because it's a post-apocalyptic future. <laughs> uh, but how do you do research on that? And, and how do you walk that balance of dealing with real history but creating a fictional future? Right. So uh, I'm not Navajo, but I'm Okewenge, uh, which is a neighboring tribe in New Mexico. Uh, and my husband is Navajo. And I studied Navajo law in law school. I'm actually a lawyer. Um, and that's where I was first introduced to a lot of the Navajo traditional stories was actually through law school, through a Navajo professor I had. Uh, so I clerked at the Navajo Supreme Court. I lived on the Navajo Nation for a couple of years and then worked uh, out there in legal aid. Uh, and 
lived with my in-laws actually. So I was sort of immersed in the culture um, and, and learned the stories firsthand through other Navajo people. And um, that was really my research was lived experience. Well, they say write what you know. Right? <laughs> exactly, <laughs> so, yeah. exactly. It's a little bit cheating. I, I don't think anyone <laughs> who wanted to repeat your experience could probably go through all of that. But, uh, but it's, it, you know, you have, it sounds like you have a very deep basis for this. Uh, I, I hope so. Yeah, I hope I got it right. And of course, I did, you know, talk to a lot of friends and family and then outside people who would be, you know, a little more real with me. If I got something wrong, they would tell me the truth. I had like some Navajo consultants. And what I, I, without getting too spoilery uh, and before we, we move on to some other things, what, tell, tell us a little bit about how you created the disaster, like the parameters of the disaster. Yeah, well, I mean, I guess, it, and that's not um, that's not too spoilery, I guess. Uh, it just seemed real to me. Like, I see climate change happening around sure. us every day. And so that just made a lot of sense. And I wanted to create uh, a world that was very indigenous, that didn't really have to uh, deal with sort of the non-native outside world. I didn't want to have to, like, talk about that. Uh, so um, I just got rid of that world. <laughs> I drowned it, right? And uh, so, and then I also in the book, um, the Navajo Nation, which is now Deneta, which is um, the traditional name for the area, uh, the people have built a wall around uh, the borders of the of the reservation. And it's a, it's a wall that's sort of a magical wall. Mm. It was aided by, it was built uh, by uh, medicine men and aided by the gods, um, the Dene Dene, which is like the Navajo um, holy people. And, um, yeah, and that's sort of a play on this idea of, like, you know, building walls to keep, you know, immigrants out. Mm -hmm, and now we have mm -hmm. the indigenous people building a wall to keep everyone else out. It's like that uh, scene what, what, in the movie, the... Uh the uh, the big disaster movie where everyone's fleeing south into Mexico. Right, exactly. Yeah, yeah. day after tomorrow. Day after I think? tomorrow. Yeah. That's what I was I was thinking it was, but I, I wasn't sure. Thank There's you for a lot confirming of them. that. <laughs> yeah. So you mentioned uh, you're a lawyer, um, mm -hmm. but you 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 also that wasn't your only degree, right? Uh, no, actually, my background is in religious studies. Right. You have a theology yes. master's? Yes. Uh, I have a master's in theology, and my undergraduate degree was in um, religious studies as well. So how did you get to becoming a Nebula-nominated writer? <laughs> <laughs> or yeah, Nebula -winning I don't writer. know. That's it's sort of a long path. Um, and even in between uh, the graduate degree and the law degree, uh, I was a computer programmer for 10 years. Oh, really? Yeah, during the whole dot-com boom. What kind of computer programming did you uh, do? I did database development. Okay. Yeah, for some big uh, Fortune 500 companies and for entertainment companies. Anybody we'd know? Uh, Universal Studios. Oh, yeah. yeah. My wife works for NBC. So. Oh, well, there you go. Small world. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, so, um, uh, yeah, you know, but I guess I've always been a writer. I've always been a science fiction fantasy fan ever since, you know, I can remember. And I've always been writing stories. Uh, I think my first story, I always say, was in seventh grade, we had to do a report on the planets. And so I turned that, you know, science report into this very dramatic tale of this like astronaut who had to collect data at every planet until he finally had to like suicide into the sun. And it's like, you know, tell my wife I love her. You know, down he goes. And I turned that in and my science teacher was not that impressed. Oh but, no. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, it's supposed to be a science project. But if a, you get the science right, I that's think all so that matters, too. right? Yeah. yeah. So, you know, just 
just from the beginning, I've always been writing. Now, now that NASA is actually soliciting science fiction stories, have you thought about taking it back to that science oh, teacher and right? pointing saying, that out? I was ahead of my time. Yeah. Uh, so that was so at a young age, you've just always been always been writing, always yeah, been interested. Yeah, and I've always been writing for myself. And uh, you know, I guess going to law school and and I sort of put that away because you just don't have time. And mm. and law school sort of discourages creativity, to be frank. Uh, but then afterwards, I was working and I was taking care of a, a small a child. I had a daughter, mm. and I was really looking to get back to sort of who I was and what I love. And you know, and writing was it. I knew that writing is what brought me the most happiness. And so that's what I was doing in my free time. So I wrote this book. I wrote Trail of Lightning for me. I, I never wrote it with an eye towards publication. I wrote it purely for the joy of writing it. And then once it was done, I had I actually met um, some folks in a writing group uh, through NaNoWriMo, of all things. Oh, really? Yeah. I do and NaNoWriMo they, myself. Oh, I quite love it. Yeah, there yeah. you go. And so... They were like, this is pretty good. You should try to like get this published. And I was like, really? You think so? I was kind of dubious, but uh, I queried it. I came in through the slush pile, just, you know, like they say. Mm -hmm. um, my agent liked it. We sold it to an editor and the rest is history. That's a, that's a great story because we, we hear a lot about self-publishing uh, these days. And not to say that it isn't a valid uh, route for a lot of people to go, but being able to say even now you can you can make it through the slush pile with your NaNoWriMo. Uh, if your story is good enough, that's, yep. that's, that's what it should be about, right? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I'm curious if you uh, get a lot of questions from people who are aspiring writers who want to become writers. I know we have some of those in our audience. Uh, do you do you ever give advice? Do you ever mentor people? Um, you know, I actually did. The, we're here for a SIFWA event, so let me just plug their mentorship program. I actually was a mentor for them. Um, I'm not sure how good a mentor I was. I'm not sure that's you know my strong point because I just like to sort of tell it like it is. But if you want to know about the trials and tribulations of you know the process, the traditional publishing process, and and debut year, which can be incredibly difficult. I know it looks like it's all fun and shiny from the outside, but mm -hmm. it's actually hugely stressful. Um, then I'm your girl. <laughs> I'll tell you all about that. Do you have uh, any kind of advice that, that you would give uh, to you young writers, or not even young, just starting writers? Yeah, you know, one of the things I always say is, so Trail of Lightning is sort of urban fantasy. It's mm -hmm. sort of a post-apocalyptic you know, uh, obviously indigenous take on urban fantasy, but all the tropes are there, you know, purposefully. I was working from those. Uh, and this was, you know, in an era where everybody was saying urban fantasy was dead, right? It's supposed to have been dead for like the past decade. I don't know, whatever. Um, but I wrote it anyway. And because that's what I loved and that's what I wanted to write. Uh, and so I would say, don't worry about the market. Don't worry about what sells and not sells because the time, from the time you write your book to the time it makes it to the shelves in traditional program, uh, publishing, for the time you sell your book, it will be probably 18 months. So you really can't uh, predict the market. You can only write what you love. And so write what you love. Right, what makes you happy? If that's vampires, write vampires. If that's urban fantasy, write urban fantasy. If it's, you know, space opera, you know, write that and and write the best book you can and let the rest of it take care of itself. That's great advice. Because uh, I, I think I've heard a lot of advice from authors that you, if you can stop writing, then you probably 
aren't going to be make a career out of it. But mm. if you just love doing it, just keep doing what you love, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, you mentioned CIFWA, uh, the, the Writers Association that's putting on the Nebulas. Uh, I know that a lot of people in our audience hear about the Nebula Awards, obviously, and the nominees and all of that. But there's a whole conference going on. Here. In fact, I, I saw that there's a there's a panel on that first year dealing with the you know the first time after being published here. Uh, give people a little idea of what the conference is like for you as an author coming here. Yeah, it is. You know, uh, I've now I've been in this about a year, and so I've done uh, quite a few conferences, different kinds, everything from WorldCon, which is just massive, like so many people. Um, to the Nebulas, uh, which is sort of small to medium size, uh, and then even smaller cons, like Bubonic Con, which is a local con in Albuquerque. Um, and so they're all a little different. Uh, I think the Nebulas is great. It's just sort of the right size, uh, especially if you're new and you don't want to be overwhelmed by something like Worldcon. I think the Nebulas is great. You get a lot of one-on-one time uh, with authors. Uh, you can sit down and have lunch with John Scalzi or Mary Robinette Cowell or myself. I ate lunch today with uh, two folks who were just local. Uh, one was a teacher and, and one's a, a, a you know aspiring writer. And we just sat down and had lunch together today. So everybody's really accessible. Uh, the panels are geared a little more towards people who want to be professional writers as opposed to just fans. And, and so that's kind of cool. So there, it's it's really useful information. Um, yeah, and it's just very welcoming. Yeah. Well, Rebecca, thank you so much uh, for taking the time. I know it's crazy busy here at the Nebula. So <laughs> I really, really appreciate you taking the time to chat with us. Sure. I'm happy to be here. If folks want to find out more about your books, where should they go? Uh, they can go to RebeccaRoanhorse.com. And that's Rebecca, R-O-A-N-H-O-R-S-E.com. Thanks again. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed that as much as I enjoyed doing it. And of course, uh, if you have thoughts about it, uh, send them our way. Feedback at swordandlaser.com. You can find the way to support us at patreon.com slash swordandlaser so we can maybe travel to more of these kinds of things. We're going to be going to Worldcon, uh, partly because you are able to help us to do that sort of thing. So keep the support coming. And of course, everything is available at swordandlaser.com. Like you're there!